0: So tell somebody about Jesus today you know that really is the mission of the church that's our call that is your call every single one of us as followers of Jesus are in a place where we should be sharing the gospel of Jesus that is the good news of who Christ is all right so this morning you're going to need at least three things for this message to make sense are y'all ready to say yeah so here's the first thing you need a Bible you got a Bible go ahead and open that up to Matthew's Gospel chapter 28 the second thing that you're going to need is your listening guide notes that are inside your brochure whenever you came in, and I want to encourage you to take those out, and uh, you take notes, use a pencil or a pen or makeup, eyes, mascara, whatever you call it, right in the notes, all right? And then the third thing that you're gonna need are a pair of these glasses right here you have probably already seen some people roaming around in our services or after our services rather with these shades on uh, these are not Harry Potter glasses are y'all all right but uh, you'll see what role they play towards the end of the message you know for the next uh, four weeks we're involved in a message series entitled the switch turning on a missionary mindset now our stated goal As a staff really is that uh, we would encourage every single individual to embrace a missionary uh, mentality here's what I want you to know this morning you got to listen closely all right the moment that you came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ you joined a global missionary movement led by the Lord Jesus so the moment you came into the body of Jesus Christ a part of his family you joined a global missionary movement led by the Lord you know in our hallway as a staff upstairs over in the other building we have a a statement printed on the wall that we have the opportunity to see pretty much every single day and here's what it says don't you listen to it this is to us all right the missionaries are in the pews uh y'all know who are in the pews if you're in the pews point at yourself Yeah, because that's you. All right, so this is what we're reminded of every day. Missionaries are in the pews. We have a job to help equip the missionaries to do the work of making disciples. So that really is our calling as a church staff, to help the entire body move out with the gospel as missionaries in our community. God gave us this mission through his son, Jesus, and we see that in Matthew's Gospel chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. This is the theme verse for our entire study series. So I'm to invite you if you would to stand with me in honor of God's word this morning. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. And let's do this. Let's read it all together, right? So we've got it up here on the screen, I'll count to three, and then you read it it with me One, two, three. go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you and lo I am with you always even to the end of the age so church look at me eyeball to eyeball that is our mission If we are involved in doing anything other than what Jesus called us to do, we can no longer call ourselves a church. So if we're not going to follow the mission of Jesus, we may as well shut the doors of the church down and sell this place to somebody who can put some furniture and put it on sale in here. This is the call of God from Christ. Amen? To be a part of this mission. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, how blessed we are to gather together so many people today. And God, I want to pray that you would take the mission uh, that many of us who, especially who grew up in church, we've heard this a thousand times. And God, I pray that we would be a church that would not simply be hearers of the word, but we'd be doers of it. And God, I'm going to trust that you'll use our time together to turn on a missionary mentality in every single heart that is in here. And we'll give you glory for how you do it. I also pray for those who have yet to make a decision to follow you, that you would use our time together to draw them to salvation so that they might become disciples and join this global missionary movement we thank you for giving us the opportunity to be a part of it Now bless our time together in Jesus name that we pray amen you guys can be seated so I'm reading a book for uh, about the second time with a a buddy of mine here in the church called multiply it's written by Francis Chan and uh, he has this statement in the book that I highlighted almost the whole page but here's the uh, statement I want you to listen to reading through the New Testament Chan writes It's not surprising to read that Jesus' followers were focused on making disciples It makes sense in light of Jesus' ministry and the Great Commission The surprise comes when we look at our churches today In light of Jesus' command to make disciples Why is it that we see so little disciple making taking place in the church today? Chan asked the question Do we really believe that Jesus told his early followers to make disciples But wants the 21st century church to do something different? Now, after I highlighted not only that phrase, but many others in that same chapter, I was challenged deeply. Challenged deeply not only by what I read in that book, but also by the words of Jesus Christ and what he has called the church to do. Listen, if we are not careful, we can become a group of churchgoers every Sunday. But God has not called you to simply be a churchgoer. God has not redeemed you from hell, given you a new life in his son Jesus just so your Sunday morning routine can change. God has given you his son to radically change every aspect of your life and you know our mission as a church is to make disciples everywhere our vision as a church speaks about where we're going mission is what we're doing but where are we going we are looking at the next seven years of taking advantage of the opportunity to plant seven new Concord campuses and be involved in seven countries internationally making disciples so if we are going to be involved in where we sense God is really leading us as a church that means that every individual member of the church is going to have to step up and live life as a missionary. We're all going to have to experience the switch where the missionary mentality is turned on and it does not turn off. And that's the challenge for all of us. Now, I want you to listen because here's a statement I want you to grab hold of. You are a missionary strategically positioned by God to make disciples. Listen, God is sovereign. God knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what you are doing. And God has uniquely, sovereignly placed you in that area so that you might make disciples there. Peter writes it like this. I love what Peter says. He says, you're a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood. You are a people for God's own possession. So Peter tells the church, here's what you are. Chosen race, people for God's own possession, a holy priesthood. And then he says, here's the reason that you are that He says, so that you would go and proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So God brought you into the family. He made you a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a people for his own possession, so that you would tell people about Jesus Christ. That's a call for every single born-again follower of Christ. Not just the church staff. It is every follower of Jesus should vocally speak the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'll tell you this morning, we're not all wired the same, are we? Everybody's a little different. Matter of fact, when you went to a community group this morning, you learned different ways and different styles of evangelism. Uh, Whenever I took that test, I found out that mine was confrontational. And so confrontational evangelism is basically in your face. Are y'all all all right with that? Are y'all shocked? (laughs) But anyway, so this was uh, pretty much how I was wired. But here's what I've learned over the course of preaching for many years. I used to think that if a person didn't share the gospel of Jesus like I do, that they were doing it wrong. And so, man, I used to hoop and holler and scream, you got to share the gospel this way. And then some people who are much godlier than I am, much wiser than I am, shared with me that not everybody's like me. And I think they even said hallelujah, amen, after they made the statement. All right? So don't clap. All right? But we're all different. But here's the thing. God has uniquely designed you so that you could be a mouthpiece for him to share the gospel. So just because you may not share it the way I share it, or you may not share it the way someone else in this church shares it, that doesn't opt you out of sharing altogether. God has uniquely designed you. You just simply need to be about what God has created you to be. Now, all of us are missionaries. Now, if we're going to grab hold of that particular fact, we're going to find that our perspective on life is going to begin to change. Now if we see ourselves as missionaries and not simply church goers, then not only is our perspective going to change in how we view the world, but that means our purpose is going to change. And then whenever our purpose changes, we're going to discover that our plans will also begin to change. So when your perspective changes, your purpose changes. When your purpose changes, your plans change. And we'll see that even more so towards the end of this message. But there's really three major thoughts that I want to give to you this morning. These are the things that I want you to write down and consider this week, all right? Here goes the very first thought as we learn how to turn on the missionary mindset. I want you to see from Scripture that God is passionate about reaching people with his love. God is passionate about reaching people with his love. Now, don't allow that elementary statement to go in one ear and out the other. Uh, you guys know what the Bible says, John three sixteen, right? So here's what the Bible says. For God so loved thee that he gave his only begotten, that whosoever would believe in him would not, but have, yeah, but have, yeah, y'all say it like you're excited about it, but have. Yeah, that's where it is, right? Everlasting life comes in Jesus Christ. God is passionately pursuing humanity with his love through that message. Now, here's what's huge. Do you know who the first missionary in the Bible is? Y'all look at me. This is a question, right? Do you know who the first missionary in the Bible was? God's the first missionary. So I said, God's the first fish? Without a doubt. Here's the deal. God created Adam and Eve to have a relationship with Him. He created them perfect. He gave them a perfect place to live in the Garden of Eden. He gave them one rule don't eat from that tree, tree of knowledge, of good and evil. If you eat from that tree, the Bible says you will surely die. God told that to Adam and Eve but the scripture teaches that the devil who is the enemy of our souls came and duped Eve and Adam together and actually challenged them to take hold of that particular fruit that hang on the tree and said taste of it because the reason God doesn't want you to is he knows when you taste of it you will be like him so really the temptation wasn't to fall the temptation was to go up and so here they reached out and you can see them can't you Eve grabs a hold of that fruit she plucks it from the tree she takes a bite she gives it to her husband and it was all the ladies' fault. Can I get a witness? I don't know. Just kidding. I was saying, if you had fruit in your hand, to throw right now, all right? So here's the deal. So they fell, and really Adam was held responsible because in Adam we all died, the Bible says in First Corinthians, because he was the head of the union, and he did not stand up and lead like a man. It's a challenge to every man in here, by the way. But they beheld and took of the fruit, and immediately they died. They experienced spiritual death. And they also introduced into the world sin. And sin has absolutely corrupted everything. It's corrupted every single person who's ever breathed the breath of life. It's also corrupted the entire world. The Bible says in Romans that even the world moans and groans for the redemption of the Savior. Isn't it amazing? Sin has corrupted absolutely everything. Now, think about this. They only had one rule and they broke it. And God was walking with them every single day. They were experiencing great union and fellowship with God. But God cannot look over sin. He has to judge it. So the Bible teaches us, thankfully, that God didn't just turn his back on humanity from the get-go and annihilate them and send them to hell. What God did is he came in the garden like a missionary. Listen to what the Bible says in Genesis 3 then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Now think about that for just a moment. Hey, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, right, I had a younger sister, and oftentimes my parents would leave the house, and they would say, Levi, you're in charge, and uh, we'll be back in a couple of hours or days hours that was funny though wasn't it but anyway so uh, here we are and I would do something to my sister and she'd get all fired up and she's gonna tattletale on me and so then I'd spend the next 30-45 minutes trying to convince her to be my best friend I'd be like I'll make you a peanut butter and jelly sandwich if you'd just be my friend and that's how we woo people in our family all right PB&J and she would have nothing to do with it. And so she was like, I'm going to tell them you're going to get in so much trouble. And I knew it, man, because I was going to get pounded when mom and dad got home. Mom would take a rip, and so would dad. Y'all all right? And so I can remember thinking and listening and hearing that car pull into the driveway. And my heart now starts beating real hard. Cause I know my sister's finna to go tell on me, and I'm it's to be real. Y'all had never experienced that. Y'all are so good. Huh? <laughs> Multiply that times a billion for Adam and Eve. They're hanging out, know that they have sinned, and now here comes God. Now here's the interesting thing. The Bible says the man and the wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. Can I just say something? Look at the preacher. You cannot hide from the Lord. And then the Bible says, then the Lord God called to the man. All right. There's a missionary response from God to those who are far from him. He called to them and said, where are you? Did you hear that? God said, where are you? What an awesome statement. It's not that God didn't know where they were. God was coming to them, and he was, as a missionary, looking for those who were lost. He wanted them to see where they were themselves. So God could have chosen to completely annihilate Adam and Eve by disobeying them. However, instead, he lovingly, check this out, made a sacrifice for their sins. And I love this. Uh, The Bible teaches um, the soul that sins will surely die. So those of us who have been born into this world and we have sinned, we deserve death and hell for eternity. That's what the Bible teaches. The soul that sins will surely die. God knew that he had to judge sin even in Adam and Eve. So here's what the Bible teaches that he did. God sacrificed an animal on their behalf listen to what the Bible says the scripture says it like this in Genesis 3.21 the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them so there in the garden God lovingly provided a sacrifice for their sins and covered their shame Now, this actually set in motion how God would ultimately express his love to the world through his son, Jesus Christ. Just as Adam and Eve were covered by the skins of the animals, we are, by faith, covered by the righteousness of Jesus Christ, who died as a sacrifice for us on the cross. So right in the Garden of Eden, the Lord God was already preparing humanity to express how deeply he loved us. The Bible says in Romans that God demonstrated his love in this, that while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. So there is his love. Then as you read, not only through Genesis, but all the way through the Bible, you run into the book of Revelation, which is the last book. And John saw what God was up to ultimately. He wrote about it in Revelation 7. He says, after these things, I looked and behold a great multitude, which no one could count. From every nation and all the tribes and all the peoples in the tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands. And they cry out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So did y'all hear that? Check it. God, by his grace, was displaying his love in the Garden of Eden to just two people. And then the Bible says that throughout the entirety of history, all the way to its culmination, that God is in the process of calling fallen individuals who are in their sin to them, to himself, and then he would ultimately give them eternal life in heaven, and there in heaven they would worship at the throne, giving glory and praise to the Lamb who was slain for us. This is what God's doing. And we read about it in Genesis, we read about it in Revelation, in every single book in between. Now look at the preacher eyeball to eyeball this is what god is doing now god is in the process right now of drawing people to himself now this is what's awesome all right when you and i have this perspective we begin to look at life differently if god is in the process of drawing people to himself you know what that means that means he's drawing some of your neighbors to himself People you live down the street from. He's drawing some of the people uh, that you go to school with to himself. He's drawing some of the people that you live with to himself. He's drawing some of the people that you work with to himself. God is drawing people all around you. Open your eyes. That's what God's doing. And whenever we get this perspective, all of a sudden, in that moment, our purpose begins to change. And then ultimately our plans will also begin to change. So what do we know so far? We know that God is passionate about reaching those who are lost, those who are far from him. Passionate about reaching them with his love. Now here's the second point I want to give you this morning. Jesus is passionate about changing you into a missionary. Jesus is passionate about changing you into a missionary. Now we read Matthew 28. If you want to look at this verse with me, you can just flip through the book of Matthew back to Matthew chapter 4 look at that real quick if you got a Bible just slip it over Matthew chapter 4 and uh, you'll see verse 18 Matthew chapter 4 and verse 18 if you grew up in church you probably heard this particular story before but he's talking here specifically about a call to follow Jesus listen to this as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee he saw two brothers Simon who was called Peter and Andrew his brother casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen and he said to them follow me and I will make you fishers of men And immediately they left their nets and they followed him now see this Simon and Andrew were fishermen they spent every single day of their lives getting into a boat going out into the water throwing out nets pulling in fish carrying them back dividing the fish giving them to the marketplace so they can be sold and then they would cleanse their nets and they would get up and do the same thing the next day I saw this um, uh, personally uh, not Simon and Andrew because I'm not that old but I I saw this concept uh, on one occasion uh, on the banks of Cameroon over in Africa right so I went to this fishing village and sure enough there they are those long skinny wooden boats that looked like they would just turn over or sink if you got into them and two guys would get in there and they would go out into the ocean and they would throw their net out they would catch the fish they would bring it in they would take the fish out they would give them to the marketplace they would clean their nets they'd go back out and do it all over again and then we as the consumers would show up and we'd walk through the fishing camp and we would find the fish that we wanted we'd point at it and they would throw it on an open fire right there in front of us cook it and then we would eat it some of the best fish that I've ever eaten, by the way. But think about this when I saw that, this entire uh, story came to mind. I could see Jesus walking along the banks saying, Simon Peter, A- Andrew, y'all come follow me. And immediately, think about this they dropped what they knew and they began to follow Christ. And Jesus says, I'm gonna make you fishers of men. One pastor said it this way. He said, Jesus called them to follow, and he promised to make them something that they were not. Now, if I'm a fisherman, by the way, and try to put myself in these men's position, and I heard Jesus say, hey, follow me, I'm going to make you a fisher of men, like some imagery would come to my mind, right? I'd immediately think, what, do, what does this mean? I'm going to take a large net and throw it out on people and pull them in, and they'll be flopping around because they're like fish. Fish. Y'all still with me? Yeah. Man, y'all don't get it. It is so funny in my brain right now. But anyway, so uh, pulling them in, pulling them in. And, 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 but you've got to see this, right? He's, he's pulling them out. And they had spent their entire life doing the mundane. And so now Jesus says, hey, drop the temporal and pick up something for eternity. And that's his call to you and I, isn't it? And you and I are just like the fishermen, really. If you think about it, right? What do we do? We get up in the morning, we go to work. Why do we go to work? Because we got bills to pay. Come home from work. What do we do? We pay the bills. What do we do the next day? We get up, we go to work, pay the bills. We get up, go to work, pay the bills, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Just like going out into the ocean, coming back, cleaning the nets, going back in there, coming back, cleaning this, go back out, over and over and over again. And here's what Jesus is doing to you this morning. He said, "Hey, hey, hey listen, listen, pay attention, follow me." I want to change you into something you're not. I want to make you a missionary. Listen, listen. God is expressing his love to humanity, and, and I've come to change you. Just follow me. And listen to the preacher. When you follow Christ, you become a missionary. It is an impossibility not to. Every follower of Jesus becomes a fisher. That's what Jesus is doing. He's making us into fishers of men. Some people are like, "Well, not me, man. I, I uh, can't do that. I'm so insecure. I don't uh, know much of the Bible." Check this out. Jesus knows that about you. <laughs> he, uh, quit with all your. Uh, can I shoot straight since I'm confrontational? Quit with all your sorry excuses. Lay them. Jesus knows all of you. He knows all of me. He's like, now I'm gonna make you into something you're not. You'll become a missionary. A fisher of men. Peter and Andrew, they dropped the nets, didn't they? They picked up the nets of eternity. Can I ask you this morning, are you following Jesus? Are you, listen, can you trace over the course of your life following Christ how your heart has begun to change and all of a sudden now you begin to see that God's in the process of drawing people to himself and Jesus is changing you and your heart now is broken over those who don't know the Lord and you want to reach out with the gospel and you want to see them come to Christ? Has your heart changed? Are you following Jesus? Here's the deal. Whenever our perspective changes, our purpose changes. When our purpose changes, our plans change. And when we get on board with what God's doing through his son, Jesus Christ, look at a preacher, that which caused you such worry and anxiety this past week, no, all of a sudden doesn't seem to matter that much. Concentrated on what Christ has called us to do. Let me give you all the third statement. Y'all still with me? Amen. Here we go. The church is to be a reflection of Jesus in the community the church is to be a reflection of Jesus in its community Paul writes in Colossians 1 Jesus is also the head of the body the church we heard an awesome song about that just a few moments ago sang by Pete and uh, what he was doing is encouraging us to be the body of Christ and that's what Jesus describes uh, us as we represent Jesus in our community by how we live with the hands and the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ Listen, if Concord shut its doors down tomorrow, would the community even know it? Uh, Would people even care? Or would they say, what, what, Concord? No, they can't close the doors. There's so much life there. So many things are changing through those people. Or would it just be like, oh, they close their doors? Yeah, well, there's another church up the street. They close their doors too. So I read a book by Ed Cesar and Mike Dodson, written, it's called uh, Comeback Churches, where they made the statement, I love this, they said God uses the church, talking about the local church, as the incarnation of Christ in our community. The word incarnation means in the flesh, so God uses Concord to be Jesus in the flesh in our community. So people get a glimpse of Jesus who is our head when they look at you and look at me and see how we talk and how we live. That's what they think about Christ. You and I are individually members of a local fellowship whose head is the Lord Jesus Christ. So we represent him in the community. So we've got to ask the question, are we living in such a manner as to reflect the heart of Jesus? Listen, we can't do that collectively if we aren't doing it individually. God is passionately pursuing humanity with his love. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. Are y'all listening? Say yes. I want y'all to listen. Are you listening? Say yes. God is passionately pursuing humanity with his love. Jesus came and said, I have come to, to seek and to save that which is lost. So if we as a church say, Jesus is our head, I think we'd all say amen to that, right? It's like, here we are, Concord Baptist. Who's our head? Is it Jesus? Say yes. Yeah, so Jesus is our head, and if we're going to claim that Jesus is our leader and we are not individually involved in what God is up to, then can we really claim to be following Christ? Jesus is our leader. He came to seek and save us as lost. He said, I'm going to use you to be a reflection in the community of who I am. I have saved you so that you can proclaim the excellencies of my name. I called you out of darkness into light. Now go out and make an impact for my name's sake. And if we say we follow Christ and we aren't doing that, then we are lying to God and ourselves. It's a huge calling, isn't it? You know, I I read, uh, some of you probably did this. As well, if you grew up in church, you you took the uh, Bible study probably called Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. Anybody in here did it here? Had the same thing last two services, right? Several people. One statement in that Bible study always stuck with me. Uh, Find where God is working and join him there. Find where God is working and join him there. And then it just dawned on me when I was studying for this message, where's God working? He's working in the world to draw people to himself. So if that's where he is working, join him there. Um, God did not give you a job just so you could get a paycheck. God gave you a job so you could reflect his son, Jesus Christ, right where you are. God is using you. God desires to use you. Can I, can I tell y'all, this is just awesome, man. I had my watch upside down, which made me think it was only 11.30. So I got a little time warp there. <clears throat> can I keep it upside down? God bless y'all. <laughs> so my wife and I were doing CrossFit, right, And uh, which is an exercise program uh, that I find great excuses why not to go anymore. But uh, my wife is still going. Hell alright. <laughs> she beats me up but anyway so uh, <clears throat> we're going to this thing and man it's awesome because God's opening doors of opportunity for the gospel and uh, seeking to share the gospel with people who are showing up there And there's one couple that uh, we've really latched on to and we've begun to build a relationship with and man it's amazing right because out of nowhere the guy who I've really not spent one on one time says he wants to go and eat lunch with me I, yeah man definitely we go so we go to El Ray in uh, Claremont because uh, that's the only option in Claremont <laughs> <clears throat> So I meet him for lunch, and I'm fired up about it, right? And I'm like, yeah, but I cannot wait here. We're going to go get a, share the gospel. And so I sit down with him, he begins to share his story, what's going on in his life, and really just wanted to help some folks who were having some marriage issues. He had read uh, a book uh, that I had written, so he, he was talking about that, and he kind of shared. He said, you know, I'm a Christian, and so is my wife, and blah, blah, blah. He keeps going and going and going and going, and then towards the end of the, the, uh, his talk, he kind of he stopped talking, and I said, you know, you just told me you were a Christian, right? He said, yeah, 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 I'm a Christian, so is my wife. Pretend I'm not a Christian for just a second. This is what I asked him. Pretend that I'm not a Christian. Tell me how to be a Christian. Y'all with me on that? So now he looks and he says, Well, here's how you become a Christian. I guess that's kind of a hard question. I never thought about it. Right? And then he begins to be a good person, do this, do that, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, et cetera. He walks through all of these things. I'm like, no. And uh, you know, my, myself, right? I'm just screaming. He's wrong. But I let him finish. I said, can I, can I share with you what the Bible teaches about how to become a Christian? Yeah, tell me. Evidently, I messed it up. <laughs> and he's a trip, man. I really loved it. But I began to share with him the gospel, share with him about his sin, took him through the law, the Ten Commandments, showed him how he's lying, thieving, murderous, adulterate, heart. He's going to face God on judgment day and go to hell for his sin. But then explain how God loved him through Jesus, and Jesus came to die. And as I'm sharing this uh, message with him, man, you could see the weight of what Christ has really done. For him. So I, I encourage him, man, you've got to repent of your sin and become a follower of Jesus Christ. And uh, just phenomenal questions he began to ask me. And, uh, you know, sometimes we're like, I'm afraid to share the gospel. I don't, they're going to ask me a question. I don't know a Bible verse to a, uh, it. I, I am shocked. Uh, you, you hear the Bible preached every day. Unchurched oh, people, they don't even hear the Bible. So they don't really have many questions. So sometimes we use that, and it's really not a valid uh, reason not to share. But anyway, so I'm sharing. He says, well, here, let me ask you this, Levi. He says, if I give my life to Jesus and I become a follower of Christ, do I change like overnight? Or is it like a gradual change? How does all that go down? Got real curious, y'all with me. So I began to share with him what the Bible taught about changing. Man, I'm just, while, while I'm doing this, man, I'm just so fired up, right? Because I'm in the process of working on this message. And I know what I'm going to do is I'm going to challenge everybody in the building to go and share Jesus and be a part of what God's doing. And people are going to say, I don't know if I can do that. It is easy peasy, man. <laughs> are y'all out there? Did y'all write that down? Because that's a theological term. It's Greek. Easy peasy. The deal is this. Listen, Coach, let's go. We think it's so difficult, so hard. Really, the bottom line is you just go out and tell people what Jesus has done in your life and say, he can do the same for you. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. Repent. Turn from your sin. Trust Jesus. So anyway, I'm thinking about this message. I'm thinking about how people are going to be nervous about sharing the gospel. And I'm like, man, they can do it. And then I had somebody tell me. Are y'all listening say yes? And I almost came unglued. All right, y'all with me? Nobody around here, by the way, so don't look for anybody. All right. Nobody that you know either. nobody you've ever thought about right? well you get prayed you get paid to tell people about Jesus well why ain't every preacher doing it then are you, some of them don't know Jesus you're exactly right but I would also add reality is most people are just flat-out lazy when it comes to sharing the gospel That's the bottom line. And as a preacher, listen, I could get up in that little office over there and sit down and write sermons and come in here and preach them to you every Sunday and become a chaplain of this place. But that is not the calling. The calling is to take the gospel and go share it. And I'm not only the one to do it, I'm supposed to equip you to do it. So if I never challenged you to go share the gospel, I would be a lazy preacher. If I wasn't sharing the gospel, I'd be a lazy preacher. So I not only need to be doing it, I need to be challenging you to do it as well. Y'all out there say, yeah? Now look at me, because now we're going to do something crazy. We're going to put on our glasses. you got your glasses with you, right? Go ahead and stick them on here. Because here's the deal. And what I wanted you to see, somebody came to me, they were like, why couldn't we get some Ray-Bans, preacher? And I I said, because those are only 10 cents a pop, man. You give more, we'll get some Ray-Bans. Can I get a witness on that? That was a joke, by the way. If you're visiting, I don't normally say stuff like that. Or wear stuff like this. Uh, Randy chose these for us. These were not my choice, but anyway. So here's what I wanted you to see. Right when you came into church, you y'all don't have them. Do y'all have them? Oh, when you leave, we got a bucket of them out here. You got to get some. All right, this helps you remember the sermon. All right, but here's the deal. When you came in, you had one way of looking at things. All right, but whenever you leave, my prayer is that you have another way of looking at that. Your perspective changes. When your perspective changes, your purpose changes. Your purpose changes. Your plans change. This happened uh, in my life. I I want you to listen, right? Because you've had perspective change before. Uh, I used to be a bachelor, I wasn't married, didn't have a wife. And so I pretty much did whatever I wanted to do, right? And then I got married and my perspective changed. Are y'all listening? Yeah, Krista changed it, all right? Y'all with me on that? Don't tell her I said that. She was in second service. So here's the deal. Whenever uh, my perspective changed, now I realize, okay, I'm married. I can't just make you know, decisions will and I've got to come together with my wife. We've got to make decisions that are best for their, our family. Now my purpose is different, so now my plans are different. And then we started having kids, right? And now we've got four kids, and our perspective has changed. They changed it. Y'all listening? And all of a sudden, immediately you began to think differently. Your perspective changes. Your perspective uh, Your purpose changes. You you start saying, you know, where are our kids going to go to school? What what are they going to wear? What are we going to feed these hungry little uh, elves? (laughs) That's all that came to my mind. I'm sure that was not from the Lord. But anyway, so here we are, hungry little elves. And so we're we're trying to feed them. So everything now, your purpose has changed, so now your plans are changed. Now check this out. It's an important decision who you're going to marry. It's an important decision how many children you're going to have. But the most important decision you will ever make is to follow Christ. Now, if my decision to marry Krista changed my perspective, changed my purpose, changed my plans, and my uh, uh, decision to have children uh, changed my uh, purpose, changed my plans, and I say that the greatest decision is to follow Christ, shouldn't that decision have changed my perspective, changed my purpose, and also changed my plan? But it's amazing, right? All of these things that are lesser in priority change how we live people say, but I'm a follower of Jesus, but there is no change. You're not following the Jesus of the Bible. There's where the change happens. And when you put these on, all of a sudden you begin to realize God is in the process of drawing people to himself. You begin to realize, looking at yourself, that Jesus is in the process of making you into something that you are not. And then, check this out, you begin to look at the world differently. You're a part of the church representing Jesus Christ as Son change your perspective turn on the missionary mindset God has strategically planted you to make disciples get involved in that amen let's bow father thank you for your word today the challenge in Matthew 28 go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father Son and the Holy Spirit Teaching them all that you have commanded. Father, how thankful we are for the great promise of Jesus that he is uniquely with us when we are involved in that mission. And can I pray for our church that we never get sideways, we never get off the path that you have pioneered for the church, but we follow you, our head, and we seek to be your hands and feet in this community and your mouth and share the good news of who you are with others and father in the name of Christ I pray now for those who are here those who are your followers God I pray that they would have a change of perspective do something in their hearts and although we've got these little glasses and they're silly God I pray that they simply remind people this week that when their perspective changes their purpose changes they begin to live With a vision to see people come to know you. And as a result, their plans change. They begin to realize that they're strategically positioned to make disciples. And they plan for it. They build a strategy around that mission. God, do a work in our midst.